You're listening to 2, 5, and 10, your source for bullshit-free NHL news, analysis, and insights. Now, here are your hosts, Kevin Naughton and Ben Stewart. Oh, no. Just a bullet in the back door. It's been seven days, so let's roll. Yeah. From the UK to Brooklyn, they know. Yes, yes. David Most and Primo. Ah. When we step on the mic, we too cold. You know the drill. This remix might fracture your nose. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 85 of 2510. We have finally hit it. We finished the season. Now it is that time of the NHL draft and free agency. It's almost like a new season is upon us. What up, Benny? How you doing? It's very much... This is the time where Ranger fans come alive. You know, every summer, well, now it's the fall, but every offseason, it's... We're rebounding from either a disappointing season or season where we made a run but fell short, and now it's time to retool, get the next big thing, the next big name, and rinse and repeat. So this is our time of year. When hockey actually starts, it's your time of year, but we'll get to that. Well, speaking of your time of year, I mean, you guys in blue ended up with the first overall pick. Let's uh, start at the draft. Yeah, so shocking development where the Rangers pick Alexei Lafreniere first overall. Everybody knew that was going to happen unless there was some rumblings of a potential Jack Eichel trade to the Rangers that might have included the first overall pick. Um, But with the whole cap situation, there was no way that was going to happen. So Rangers pick Lafreniere first overall. He signed his entry-level deal today. He also, he wore number 11, which is obviously off-limits here in New York. So he switched to number, lucky number 13, Former protege, uh, former uh, 13 numbers, Kevin Hayes, Daniel Carcillo, Nikolai Shirdev, Richard Scott, Valerie Kamensky, and Sergei Nemchimov. So if he can't clear that bar, then all-time bust. I was going to say, yeah, if he can't clear that, you're in some serious <laughs> trouble. <laughs> but yeah, so he's on the century-level deal. He's expected to make the Rangers out of training camp, probably in a third-line role to start out. Some power play time. Very excited there. Um, the Rangers had a second first round pick, which they used on a gritty two-way right-hand shot defenseman, even though we're loaded in defense prospects. But I guess you can never have too many. They're always going to be valuable in the trade market if he develops the right way. So, I mean, outside of that, the Rangers moved a couple picks to move up. So they had two first rounders, and then they traded uh, Leas Anderson, who was taken seventh overall in 2018, I believe it was. Uh, to the LA Kings for a second rounder. So basically, Rangers somehow turned the sixty, uh, the seventh overall pick, two years ago, into the sixtieth overall pick. So that's how far uh, Elias Anderson has fallen. Uh, just circling back to that, I mean, it's not looking back at his draft, which was twenty seventeen. Sorry, not twenty eighteen. There's not too many like all stars that were taken after him, but everybody knew that the Rangers reached when he took him. I mean, right after that, you have Owen Tippett taken by Florida, uh, Martin Nechas taken by Carolina, Suzuki taken by Vegas. Um, so there's some useful players there. Robert Thomas taken by St. Louis. So nothing earth-shattering there, but definitely much better overall development than trading a guy who abandoned your team for Sweden for a second-round pick. Um, but other than that, pretty uneventful draft day weekend for the Rangers. Uh I know they made the stall trade before the draft, which cleared some cap space, and then a Hank buyout, buyout, which we talked about. So, I don't know. Other than that, 
what were your thoughts on the Bruins draft this year? Uh, so as for the Bruins draft, there is one huge issue that I have, and it was the first kid that they took. So we didn't have the first round pick because we shipped that out with Bacchus. But this kid that they picked, Mason Lorai, um, I mean, on paper kind of fits the mold defenseman, 6'4", 195, and we got him at 58th overall. The issue I have is that he was projected at about 150. So to me... I think Don Sweeney and his scouting staff are reaching a lot here just because we saw what happened in 2015 where we reached for three guys and how it has completely bit us in the ass. And to me, it's just like if you're going to draft, draft correctly because the kid that we got on the third round, Trevor Kuntar, I think that's a steal. The the kid has absolutely lit up the USHL. And where he is projected to be, we got him there. We didn't have to reach 50 spots. So I'm just like, I think something needs to change with Don Sweeney and his scouting staff. Because if you have somebody projected 50 spots ahead of where everybody else <laughs> does, like all I'm saying is, this kid better perform if that's if you're reaching there he better be of caliber and obviously the worst part about these kids in the nhl draft is they're 17 18 18 years old so it's going to take a while to actually see if these kids pan out but for someone like the bruins and for someone like don sweeney who has had a very bad track record in drafts due to specifically that 2015 draft mm-hmm. in reaching yep. for players. Like if I'm the owner, uh, listen, your job's on the line. Uh, I I would tell him, I would make the call and say, Don, this is the second time you've reached and you've reached very hard. Like the kid better perform or like, you might not even know if this kid pans out because you might not be here. <laughs> like I, I don't know that that's just the way I feel about it. That's yeah, all. he doesn't have the benefit of the doubt at this point. No, not at all. Not at all. So, um, I mean, it sucks that you guys had to burn that first round pick to get rid of Bacchus there. But um, do you think like you saw a couple guys moved? They wanted a draft, and then immediately after the draft, I know this is kind of getting into our. Bruins, Rangers, offseason talk, which we'll really get into in a little bit. But did you see any names that were moved that you were like, why why reach for a kid with this pick if we could have moved it as part of a deal for this this known commodity that's already in the league? As for us, I mean, not really. I mean, we probably could have shipped Krug out to somebody before free agency. But, uh, I mean, at that point, it is what it is. I, I just don't like we've just been quiet as a whole. So it, it's kind of hard to say if we shipped out so and so, we would have got something back. So I, I, I don't know. I, I guess that one kind of plays out if it actually happened, but it, it's hard to predict there. Okay. And just kind of expanding on, on that, we'll talk about the opening of NHL free agency, some trades that were made, some big trades that were made. Uh, do you have any that specifically caught your eye that you thought were either interesting or kind of left you scratching your head a little bit? Uh, well, at least regarding to the draft, 
I love L.A. picking Byfield there too. I think what a place for the highest African-American black hockey player to be drafted and go to. Like, I think he can break down some serious barriers there outside than of Ottawa, huh? <laughs> uh, well, yeah, I mean, I, I just think for him to go there and just be able to interact with that community, I, I think he might be able to put hockey a little bit more into people's hands there. So very happily there. I will say Ottawa with that number five pick, Jake Sanderson, they got themselves a hell of a D player. And to now be on the other side of Thomas Shabbat and this kid has a mean streak. So you have the one the one tall guy in Shabbat who can move the puck and give give you that offensive push. Jake also can move the puck and give you that push, but the kid's mean too. So uh, coming down and you look at Ottawa's D, uh, I think their defense is definitely going to start turning the corner. Uh, one thing I have a question for you is, so I, I did see that Cole Perfetti fell a little bit and that always comes down to way other GMs size. see that yeah, size, but I mean like the way other GMs see the draft, like sometimes they're like, well, this is our guy. If he's here, we're taking him. I don't care if the other guy falls. So I think part of that's a mental thing, but looking at the number 11 pick in Nashville, they get the best goalie in the draft, and it almost seemed like the kid fell a little bit. I just think, like, what do you think it is with NHL hockey teams being scared to draft goalies in the first round? I don't know. It's, it's almost like the, uh, the evolution of the running back in the NFL when it comes to a draft position. Like, you, you used to see them get drafted top five, top ten. Every year, yeah. Multiple in the first round every year. And then teams started realizing, one, their shelf life is three, four, five years uh, typically. And these seventh-round picks and undrafted guys uh, – just come in and produce. Like it's about the scheme. It's about the offensive line. It's about finding the right fit. And yeah, that might be a guy more talented, but is he the right fit? Translating that over to the goalie talk, I think I still think there think there is a place for the franchise goaltender in NHL. You look at Hank in his prime. You look at Carey Price. You look at Luongo, guys like that. I would very much sign up for one goalie who plays 60, 65 games. 70 games like Brodor used to a year and you know what production you're getting even if that costs you more money on a salary cap versus kind of what Carolina is doing which I think is wasting some of their cup window here of all right we're going to roll with Peter Morazic and James Reimer and then maybe one of them can get hot yeah like, tough maybe I'm not and I'm not shitting on them they're NHL goaltenders like but they're not going to be the guys that win you a Stanley Cup. And you see like all the storylines about a guy like Andon Hudobin this year in Dallas, who did play well. He stole a game here and there. But look at his overall numbers in the playoffs. They were okay. And he was getting written about like he was the next coming of Patrick Waugh. That's how low the expectations were, in my mind. So if you're going to run your team in a sense of, well, why waste a first-round pick on a potential franchise goalie when we could try and find someone in a fifth, sixth, seventh round or just give, keep signing a journeyman goaltender like Craig Anderson. That's why he's still in the league at 40. I like, unless you have a can't miss guy that's there for you for the taking that's playing a different position. I, I don't understand why you pass on like a carry price type level level prospect in a draft just because, Oh, well, some teams don't need a franchise guy to go on runs in the playoffs. 
I mean, I guess it's just one of those things of like there was 33 picks between the Russian goalie and the next goalie who went. So it's just yeah. like obviously if if you're trying to build your team and you think your defense is weak, you need to draft defensively. Like I'm on board with you. I get it. But at sometimes I just like Nashville now has Soros in there. Peck is on his way out. Is this kind of a way for them to groom the next guy? Exactly. That's what I think it is. Yeah. So it's like, but like you said, it's one of those crapshoots where some of these kids don't pan out, but that's the unfortunate part of the NHL draft. When you draft kids so young, like you never know what's going to happen. Yeah. And just finishing my thought on a goaltending thing, obviously you're not just going to take a goalie because he's talented ahead of like a more pressing need. But you come into a team like Nashville, and like you just said, it highlights almost like a succession line where this guy, according to most scouting reports, isn't that far off from being NHL ready. Maybe one more year, two at most in the KHL or wherever, and then he's in NHL. Pecorino has, what, two years left on his deal? I believe if that. It might just be one. Yeah, so either one, two years at most. So you're looking at it's like a team like Nashville. Why would you pass on the clear-cut number one rated goaltender in this draft just because, well, we could try and find someone who could pan out almost as well as this guy later in a draft and ha- and look smarter. Like, I think GMs try and just get cute sometimes in every sport and go, I'm smarter than everybody in this room, so I don't need to follow conventional wisdom and take the best player here. I can find a player that's going to be just as good later on. Yeah, and I mean, he's a big boy too, 6'3", so he definitely takes up a lot of the net. Yeah, Nashville plays like that. Mm-hmm. They Chicks used that system with Pekka and Jaros Chicks already. Chicks take a big so. Pekka. That's right. <laughs> um, I guess this kind of kicked off free agency, the opening of free agency, but the Tyler Johnson being put on waivers. I know Tampa Bay was facing a lot of cap issues, worried about offer sheets to their RFAs like Sergachev and Sorelli, but to just... Nobody wanted Tyler Johnson, and it's I know it's a combination of no teams willing to give up anything of value and help Tampa Bay out after they saw what happened with the JT Miller trade. Um, but you're telling me a team like Boston wouldn't give up like a mid-round pick for him just to get him before he hits free agency? I know he, you would take on that cap hit and everything, but it's like, risk losing him in free agency when every other team in the league can court him a little bit. I was just surprised that Tampa Bay just cut their losses and said, all right, you're done, like a week and a half after winning a cup with them. Yeah, I know me and you had texted during the week, and one thing I said was just they are very worried down there. Like I know in the past the NHL has kind of been like a uh, the old country club, like the old fellas club, like no one really wants to jump on each other, but I think – Tampa is legitimately scared of an offer sheet to those big names. So they're just doing anything to protect their assets right now, even if it means cutting Tyler Johnson, which is crazy to think. Like you said, they won a couple of them last week. Hey, thanks for coming. Uh, There's your door. See you later. Have a good one. Yeah, and he's obviously still still very useful in this league. So he's still unsigned. Like Nobody's claimed him. Uh, I don't know how long the waiver process is in NHL at this point, but um, he's still floating out there, and I think he's going to be a huge pickup for a team. He's not a franchise guy, obviously. He's not a guy you can count on to lead your offense, especially for a guy his size. But if you find him on a second line somewhere, you give him power play time, and you get him on a cheap because he's still going to get that money from Tampa, that's a huge upside deal. 
Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, Tyler Johnson can most definitely still perform in this league. This is just Tampa trying to stretch out as much of the cap as they can. And speaking of that, I said this to you when we were talking over text. If Anthony Sorelli or Mikhail Sergachev doesn't get offersheeted, the NHL should just remove that option from the CBA. Like, what's the point? No. Tampa can't match anything. And even after the Tyler Johnson thing, they're still facing some holes. And no one's going to attempt to just steal one of these potential... I mean, Sergachev is more of a top three than a franchise guy. Sorelli is more of a top two center than a franchise center. But no one's going to try and just get them from the Lightning, weaken a rival, and just give up a few picks in return? No, I agree completely. I mean, the the RFA thing it nowadays is just kind of bullshit. Uh, when was the last time we saw We saw last year uh, the Canadians tried to offer Shidaho, and Carolina matched that thing within like 12 minutes. Uh, so it's just like I do feel it needs to be used. Like who cares about the other side of now you're forcing the other GM's hand. Like, you know, we're all in this together. How about, you know what? Shit. It's not really going as we planned. I might be getting gas next year. I need to put all my eggs in a basket. Like, fuck it. I don't care if it costs me <laughs> X amount of first round picks. Let's go after Sergachev. Yeah. Like, why not? Yeah. And I mean, you know what? At least if you get gassed, you can say I tried. But uh, on the other end of people just sitting still, I understand this flat cap kind of scares a lot of people. I get that. Mm -hmm. But no movement at all on these guys is just a little crazy. Well, that's the thing. So I forget who, which player signed this deal. Um, I'm blanking on it. I had it saved in my head for this very conversation. But instead of everybody's used to the front-loaded contracts. Well, this the some of these GMs are attempting to sign guys to quote-unquote middle-loaded contracts where the first two years of the deal are very low because of the flat cap and reduced revenues for the team owners. And then years three, four, five, six blow up to like nine, ten, eleven million dollars before going back down towards the end of the deal as a way to get to play the money that he's owed, keep the cap hit relatively within market value, but then don't expend too much money in the first two years during a flat cap. So I'm sure you can work something out with a guy like Sergeyev like that. Well, I just have a question for you as to where you think it might be going in Tampa. Just looking at them right now, uh, their current cap hit is about 78.5. They only have projected just under $3 million left. And yeah. they got Sorelli, they have Cernak, and Sergeyev are all RFA to get back. And, I mean, they re-signed Luke Shen and Patrick Maroon both for under a million dollars. So, I mean, they know they're in a crunch, but who do you realistically see getting traded or moved from this team? Now, I know the fantasy thing is like, oh, they played so well without Sam Coase. Why not move him? He's not going anywhere. Uh, he's basically the soul of that team. Like, Hedman's the leader. Sam Coase is the soul. So he's not going anywhere. Kucherov isn't going anywhere. Point's not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. But you're paying Yanni Gord over $5.1 million a year. And I know he's a solid player, but Yanni Gord is making over $5 mil. That's That's your first issue right there. And so he has I think a no that's trade. a potential move on. On 
there's not much movement on the back end either that you can really bank on. It's basically comes down to Yanni Gordon, and Alex Killorn. So those as, two, and Tyler as you're Johnson. trying to move and Killorn and Gord both have no trade clauses. Yeah, and so does Johnson. Yeah, <laughs> and I, I the Rangers got burned by that. That's back a huge problem. Say they gave out guys. a bunch of no trade clauses, no mm-hmm. movement clauses, and screwed our cap for a few years. I do find it crazy. Like, just even looking at the back end, they have a 35-year-old Braden Coburn. Uh, only one year left at 1.7, but even he has a no-movement clause. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I don't hey, know. You got, you got your cut with this core. You, you, you're going to discover what the Blackhawks discover, where you're going to start losing piece by piece off that championship team just to keep the core that you signed the big money around. Yeah, you're going to have to move it around. I agree. Uh, the other big thing from free agency, I know you and I both have little individual thoughts on moves that caught our eye, but the goaltending carousel. So I, I felt like half the league was changing goaltenders in free agency or via trade. Um, which ones jumped out at you for good, bad, surprising reasons um, for the goaltenders that were on the move? Um. Markstrom going to Calgary. I, I knew Gal- Calgary was going for a goalie. I didn't know if it would be him. I was just kind of surprised by the term of it. I, I thought a little long. Um, Matt Murray. I didn't. I saw him getting paid. I did not expect six and a quarter a year. To me, that's a bit of a stretch. I know Ottawa has the cap space, but it was like woof. Um, I really like. Uh, Braden Holpe in Vancouver going there with Thatcher Demko talk about you know kind of teaching the kid the absolute ropes from a professional like I think that is going to be huge just for the Canucks future that might even put them no one saw them going this far in the NHL this year so I mean that could be a huge thing for them and building their future not only that but then they have Braden Holpe teaching Thatcher the way and I think talk about a double-headed monster in net. They currently have it. So uh, very surprised. Uh, I think we all expected Hank to go to Washington. That was reported days beforehand. And I, I think for Washington, it's a great move on a one-year deal. You have Samson off. Um, and, I mean, if the kid can't take the reins, you have Hank there. So yeah, good on that end. Uh, outside of that, I mean, do you think – Devin Dubnik getting moved to San Jose. Do you think that kind of makes San Jose better? I mean, obviously he's an improvement for Martin Jones, but I don't think he's taking San Jose to the next level. No, and I I don't think he's going to be supplanting Martin Jones as the number one anyway. I think it's going to be whoever is playing the best from night to night. Uh, Dubnik has passed his prime. Jones is obviously everybody knows the struggles he's had. I just think he's such a massive upgrade over Aaron Dell that San Jose just automatically upgrades by having somebody they can turn to when Jones eventually goes into a rut that isn't an AHLer. And no offense to Aaron Dell, but like even at this point in his career, Devin Dubnik's a better goaltender. So I think that's just the one right there for San Jose. It's not a long-term solution. They're probably going to have to buy out. I'm surprised they didn't buy out Jones this offseason, but probably because of the COVID situation and the revenue hit. That's why they didn't. But Jones is done after this year. Dubnik is free agent after this year, probably done. So San Jose, still with a pretty talented forward core at least, has no goaltender. So we'll see where they go there. 
the thing for me, you mentioned the Markstrom deal and the term. Seven years for Jacob Markstrom. And I know he played solid in Vancouver. He still didn't play great. He didn't turn into, like, Dominic Hasek overnight. He's an, he's an above-average starting goaltender. And I know that's an improvement for Calgary and that. But seven years is pretty crazy to me. Yeah, agreed. I, I thought it was a bit of a stretch. And, I mean, do you think he's worth the $6 million a year? I, I thought even that was just a hair high. Yeah, I figured like five, five and a half. So like they didn't overpay too much. But if I'm giving you term, I want low cap hit. Yeah, that's the trade off. Yeah. Yeah, like I'll give you seven years because eventually we're going to buy you out or have to eat some salary to get rid of you because your play is not going to be worth it. But if you want seven years, I'll give you four, four and a half mil. Just get a little bit of extra cap room, especially for a team like Calgary. I know they are in solid shape cap wise, but they need to fill a fill in a lot of holes in the back end um if he wanted his money if he wants the six million a year all right we'll give you four years like it's got to be one or the other he got term and money and like we we're talking about with the predators first round draft pick there's no reason to give a guy like jacob markstrom seven years or that money when you can find like how much of he's is he that much of a massive upgrade over riddich and goal I don't think so. I think he's an upgrade. I don't think he's like, holy shit, difference maker. Yeah, I'm so, with you there. He's an upgrade, but yeah, not top tier. Yeah. So to pay that type of money, I think is crazy. I loved, on the flip side of that, I love Vancouver letting him walk and keeping the flexibility with the Holpe contract. I know he has something to prove. I know he's probably not going to be the goaltender in Vancouver that he was for a few years in Washington. But when you're in a league with a salary cap and you're facing facing a flat cap with reduced revenue the best thing you can do is find a guy who's not going to hurt you in goal give you even if he's the backup he's going to give you at least average production and you only got him for two years so that's how that's how teams continue to open up their competitive window you see in boston for almost a decade now vancouver it looks like they're following that same path where it's like we'll lose some talented guys to keep that flexibility to continue bringing in more talented guys. So I love that move by Vancouver. Uh, Murray to Ottawa, sure, why the trade? Sure, why not? You needed a goaltender. He's still young. He's talented, obviously, by his time in Pittsburgh. He's fallen on some hard times the last two years. But the extension is what killed it for me, man. Like He had an 898 save percentage last year, and you're giving him a massive deal. So I don't get the need to do that. I know... They probably don't want to lose him for nothing uh, next offseason or offseason after that, but that extension killed the deal for me. Uh, and the last few thoughts of goaltending, Carolina, surprisingly in my mind, stayed put with Reimer and Mrazek. Uh, I thought they would have at least made a move to upgrade over Reimer to compete with Mrazek and moved Reimer to a team like, I don't know, uh, Minnesota or something like that. But to continue to run those two guys out there during this cup window with a team that is almost ready to compete for a Stanley Cup. They added Jesper Foss in free agency, which I think is a tremendous addition for only $2 million a year AAV for three years. And you're going to run that team out there with Peter Morazic on opening night. I think that's a terrible decision. I think that's, especially for an owner who's loaded, to sit there and go, well, you know, 
you like these guys on goal. Do you like them or do you love them? That's what I always think in my head. Do you like this player or do you love him? And if you're Carolina, you don't love Peter Morazic. So I don't know why they didn't at least try and make a move for, I don't know, Cam Talbot, Cam Crawford. Uh, like, just one of these guys. Like, even a Holtby type. So that just surprised me. And the last thing, Hank to Washington. Thank God it's not to the Islanders. Once I heard that Hank only wanted to play on the East Coast, I was like, he's going to Washington, long shot Toronto. So for one year only, your boy is a Capitals fan. Let's get him a cup, and then I'll take a shower after and rinse the dirtiness off me. And then come back. I like that. And regarding the two goalies in Carolina, I mean, they're both UFA at the end of this year. So yeah. maybe they're just trying to retool after that. Just get through this year and then see where where it takes you. That's silly. Because that you never know when your window closes, man. Even if your team is young, look at Calgary. They can't get over the hump, and their team is, was young and talented. No, that that Nadelkovic though that they have in the minors, uh, he was a very good goalie. So I mean, that could be the future. This could just be the last time. And I mean, uh, as for window, they still have everybody going through contract through this year. There's a couple guys next year that could be on the move. We'll see, but. One big one for them at the end of this year is Dougie Hamilton. Does he stay or does he go? Yeah. And is Hamilton going to be worth the money? Is he the franchise number one defenseman that he thinks he is? Or is he more of a complimentary number two guy? And is he going to be okay being paid like one? I mean, if he thinks he's better than Jacob Slavin, he's out of his mind. So we'll just start there on your own roster. So, yeah, no, number two. I wanted to get into a little bit of the trades that went went down this weekend, this week as well. Um, a few notables that stuck out to me. Your old, your boy Ryan Donato on a move to San Jose for only a third-round pick. I know he didn't pan out in Minnesota, but he also didn't get a real good run for some reason with the Wild. And I think going to a team like San Jose, who is known for taking late draft picks or undrafted guys and getting prime years out of them like you the list is endless you have like look at justin braun matt Irwin, uh tommy angles andrew desjardins those guys all unheralded guys all come up play well i think this is going to be a real big opportunity for donato if he can't turn it around in san jose he's not going to be able to play anywhere in the league so i think getting him for a third round pick to play in your in your top nine could potentially be a big deal for them uh a head-scratcher for me was Minnesota trading Lukunin and a uh, draft pick for Nick Bonino. I don't, like, I know they needed a second-line center, but Kunin can also play center. Oh, dude, what a if you don't feel comfortable Nashville. playing him at center, you can make another move. What a pickup for Nashville. Yeah, huge <laughs> deal for Nashville. You get rid of Bonino's contract, and you get a good young player who can play in your top six and potentially as a center. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't understand what Billy Garen was doing there. Um, second to last one, the Jets getting uh, Paul Stastny back from Vegas. I know Vegas needed to clear the cap space for the antis- their anticipated signing of Alex Petrangelo, but you reunite him with Patrick Laine, who had his best years of his career during that one or two years of Stastny was with uh, Winnipeg previously, which tells me they're not trading Laine this off season, and you kind of make another run for it. They still need help on defense in Winnipeg, but even at 35, I think Sassing is a huge, fills a huge uh, need for them. You get to keep Shifley at 
on a first line. Now you have Sasson with Lana in a second line to make you even deeper. And the last trade I wanted to talk about, the Domi and Anderson trade. I know Domi fits the John Tortorella style of play. I know he's been much more productive in NHL so far over Josh Anderson. But he's not a center long term. He's too small to play center. He profiles more as a left winger, which reduces his value there, even if he's a 25-30 goal scorer. And I know Anderson has injury issues, specifically his shoulder. Montreal, if they hit on this, wins this in a landslide. Because not only do they get the size that they need in a guy like Josh Anderson, but he has the potential to be a 30, 35-plus goal scorer a year, power forward, and he plays in that lineup. That fills a huge need for them. And they moved out from a guy in Domi who, me and you were talking about this, there must be something up with this kid. Like, I know he's a dick on the ice. Must be a dick off the ice, too. They get moved from two different organizations after producing, and you're getting traded for Alex Kolchanyuk and an injured Josh Anderson, who scored one goal last year. So, Well, I heard that um, him and Julian did not see eye to eye. So I heard that was a big part of him being moved out. That's because Domi's a midget. I mean, it could be. I mean, he liked Brad Marchand, so, the, I, I well, the, I guess it all depends whichever way it's looked at. But as for the deal, Josh, Ant- oh, you're right. Vegas just signed Petrangelo, and I can't believe they signed him for that. Seven years, 8.8 mil a year. Well, they got to move Flurry now. That is an overpay big time. Fuck. Like, I, I like Petrangelo, but my 8.8, that's one thing that Darg- Doug Armstrong does very well is player evaluation as they get older. He did it with David Backus where he decided I'm not re-signing him. I think he's done it with Alex Petrangelo. Like, I think Alex Petrangelo is a great player, but 8.8 is an overpay big time. Big time. Woof. Yeah, almost 9 mil. Like you said, Petrangelo is a good player, but you're paying for what he's... You're basically paying for what he's done, not what you're going to get from him, especially towards the end of that deal. So... That has buyout written all over it. Yeah, in five years, we'll be talking about, oh, Petrangelo might be a nice bounce-back candidate. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Someone will be able to get him for the cheap. (laughs) Um... I don't know. that. I'm trying to think on the fly here. I know Vegas, they want to compete. They had their window. They're just going for it, man. But now you got to move Flurry. Even though they, we just talked about the Stassny trade, so they cleared his cap hit. But you got to move Flurry now. Have to. And a lot of these goaltenders, the teams that needed goalies, kind of made their moves during free agency. Ooh, what if he trade. goes to Carolina? If he goes to Carolina, then I take everything back about what I just said about Carolina because that would be – they're going to need – so Vegas is going to have to eat some of this cap hit here. Mm-hmm. If Carolina can get him for four mil, three and a half, four million dollars, that's a huge – then they got to worry about where they're sending Reimer. But let's think – so which teams do you think would be in play here? Pittsburgh, obviously, I think. Carolina, I think Vegas wants to move them to the Eastern Conference. They're not going to send them, keep them out west. No, I don't think they'd sit on that. Um, 
I mean, Ottawa just signed Murray. If they didn't sign Murray, yeah. that'd be a place to go. Buffalo? You know what? Maybe Buffalo because, uh, what's say, Jersey? The Hall signing. Jersey just signed uh, Crawford, so they're out. What about the Red Wings? Are you kidding? They got Tent with <laughs> Yeah, so it's like, I don't know. I feel the like. The thing is, because Flurry has a no trade clause, so he might not want to go to Detroit. Yeah, I just feel like they just missed their window. Like, there were so many free agent goalies. Like, if you knew yep. that's what you were going after, like, now you have to eat something. Like, that's the problem. I I don't like that. I don't like that at all. They they waited, they sat on it, and now they're eating it. <laughs> so, yeah, so that's going to be a name to watch on a move here is where Flurry ends up. It's I would be su- shocked if it's not Pittsburgh or Carolina. 8.8. Fuck me. That's a Shit, lot of Instead of eating salary, maybe uh, Vancouver, uh, Vegas just decides, hey, we'll trade you flurry straight up for Reimer. I mean, that that would kind of build them out of the cap. And, I mean, Reimer's UFA at the end of the year, so it would definitely help a little and bit. And they get their back of goalie behind. Because, I mean, the, the only other part, too, is flurry's on for this year and next year, then UFA. So it's not technically long-term. That, that, might, that might do it. Wow, I just can't believe. They're currently now with the Petrolangelo... 88 million fucking caps 81 yeah they got work <laughs> ouch good luck there uh, uh what about anyway the uh andreas johansson trade yeah i, I was I gonna comment that's... on that with my good start bad start <laughs> thought that i had good start new jersey was definitely enlisted they used their cap space as a weapon Andreas Johansson, young 20-goal scorer, they got him for basically nothing. Put it, slide him right into their top six. He'll play probably second line with Hughes, so that helps Hughes out right there. And then they made the trade fifth-round pick for Ryan Murray, who I know is injury-prone, but you get a potential top-four defenseman for a fifth-round pick. Well, say I couldn't I think, believe it was a fifth-round pick. I'm like, did I miss something? There has to be a little more to this trade. Yeah, so they get that value there, and again, Murray's still young. Um, so I think New Jersey started off well there. I think Colorado and this the trade that happened today helps them with the Taves signing, giving up two second round picks to the Islanders for him. He slides into their second pairing. So you have Johnson and Gerard, Taves and McCarr, and then you have Ryan Graves, uh Ian Cole and prospects like uh Connor Timmins knocking on a door like Colorado's D is set. Um, I like their addition like, too, a Brandon Sod. I was just going to say, I think that's a very solid addition for their second line and power play. And plus with another year of maturation for the young guys, which is going to help them. I think like, I know everybody says this every year, but Colorado is going to be a fucking problem next year. Big time. Um, another good team, uh, team that I think had a solid start. Toronto, I like their Wayne Simmons signing. They got Bogosian, a right-hand shot guy who he's going to be their sixth, seventh defenseman for a million dollars. You got Jimmy VC for nine hundred k on playing the third or fourth line and penalty kill gives them size. I like uh, the Brody signing. I just don't like for how much for them. Yeah, I was going to say like the Brody signing feels a need and also is a tremendous upgrade over Cody CC. Your boy. Just, yeah, instantly. <laughs> but also, how much of 
TJ Brody is Mark Giordano. And I don't know if you want to be paying TJ Brody that much money into his mid thirties. And Edmonton signing Tyson Barry definitely helps. I don't want to say it helps bolster their defense because they still need more work, but it's a and step in the right here. direction. Deal. Yeah. Step in the right direction for sure. So it should help, uh, Edmonton in the sense of not having to score 11 goals a game. <laughs> and then the other thing is Mike Smith, really? That's your that's your answer. The free agency market is what it was, the trade market was what it was. And you're like, "Nope, we're happy bringing back Mike Smith." Like, if I'm Connor McDavid, I'm like, "God fucking damn it. What do I need to do here to get a competent GM that knows the value of solid goaltending?" Yeah, well, McDavid's another one, though, too. I mean, granted, best-paid player in the NHL for a reason, but, I mean, that that cost of what it is for him costs them big time, too, so it's the double-edged sword. Yeah, and another team, we talked on this with the uh, Bonino trade, Minnesota, they got Talbot, which is a solid signing placeholder-type goaltender, I still don't know what their direction is. We talked about this. I think almost every podcast, like the last three episodes, like what are they trying to accomplish here? Like you get, you trade a cheap young talent in Kunin for a veteran in his 30s with a higher captain of Bonino. Following up on a previous deal, I was like, I just don't understand. I thought Garen was coming in to kind of change the roster around a little bit, and he's like just keeping everything in place. I think he's switching things up, trying to bring in some veterans. I mean, they got rid of Koivu. Benino's an elder statesman. He's won those cups. I mean, do I think he's your go-to and forever guy? No, but maybe he's a step in the right direction. Because, I mean, he he was in Pittsburgh when Garen was there. So there's definitely a relationship. There's definitely a bond there. So maybe he's going to give Benino the role in the sense of the guy in the room that the younger kids can go to. I, I just, I don't know for the guys that he's been bringing in and or shipping out, just saying this 78 million on the cap only has two, seven left. And when you look at it still needs work. I, I don't know. I mean, you still think Parisi is going to go at this point. It's almost like because of the way the cap hit's set up, if a move isn't made by the end of this week, it's not going to happen. Like, teams' resources are going to get tied up. So, I, I don't know. It's, it's got to happen soon for it to happen because teams are going to tighten up those purse strings and you're not going to be able to call up a team like the Islanders in December and go, hey, you want to take on Parisi in this deal? Yeah. Then, I mean, that's not a deadline deal with five years left on it. <laughs> so I don't know if you had anything else you wanted to highlight or if you wanted to get into uh, some Bruins talk we can get into some Bruins talk um, Tory Krug walks away from us kind of expected in free agency um, and I don't blame Tory Krug uh, it all started coming out after he signed in St. Louis where he said he got offered an extension last year at the end of the year it was put on the table in front of him, and then it was taken away. And then there was no talks throughout the air, and then right before free agency opens up, there's the rumors of the Bruins getting Oliver ekman Larson, 
and there's no talks to Krug. And then the day before free agency, now they're talking to Krug again. And I don't blame Tory Krug for walking away. I mean, that's, you know what? I'm right here. You don't want to talk to me. You want to talk to somebody else. And I think I'm going to be second best, like up you us, not stay and have a good life. Uh, as for the signing of Craig Smith, this is the problem I have with it. Don Sweeney previously has gotten burned, like absolutely torched and free agency with Matt Bolesky and David Backus, the people he's brought in. I just feel like Craig Smith is a bottom three guy and we need talk top six help. And I mean, Craig Smith, he's school. He's scored over 20 goals five times. So 3.1 on the cap for a, bottom nine like bottom six guy i mean do you think that's worth it we're already kind of a little strapped 3.1 like i think it's fair but for a team who needs so much more help it's kind of like krug's gone like that cap hit's gone we currently have 11 million in projected cap space um we still have to go after Grizzlick and debrusque so we don't know where that's going to end us up and then the other part of it's this. Zdeno Chara is still out there. We don't know what he's going to do, whether we bring him back, whether or not. The only good news is I feel like he's in the driver's seat because they said he's already been contacted by other teams about playing. So I think we're just waiting on Z. I, I don't think he would go play anywhere else. It would just only be if the Bruins say, no, we're not bringing you back. But now looking at our D-end, Five guys under contract. McAvoy, Carlo, Moore, Clifton, Lozon, Grizzlick, and then, um, excuse me, and then we just re-signed Kevin Miller as well, which I think is a great fit for a million bucks. Kevin Miller knows his role. He's a guy who's going to go in there, muck it up, play dirty. I just think we need more. We need more, and I don't mean John Moore. I just think we need more. So now it's Taylor Hall signs in uh, Buffalo, What's Don Sweeney going to go here for? Is he going to try to call Jersey again to see if they'll give him, you know, Kyle Palmieri because he's scared to sign people in free agency? <laughs> like, why are we not in on Mike Hoffman? A, a lot of other players have signed short-term deals here just with what is going on. Just so when COVID picks back up, well, I mean, when COVID dies down and the league picks back up, they're then able to cash in for bigger deals. I, I feel like a lot of people did this here, which is fine. But us as a whole, man, like we don't even know if Kasha is going to play out and, and we have him. I think it's two six and then he goes to restricted. Well, you know, what, what if it doesn't work out He and, he, and he's not a good fit for this team? Uh, then what? Yeah. We hope we hope Seattle takes them or we hope Seattle takes fucking Nick Ritchie like and nothing against Craig Smith. But when you look at our minors, Frederick, Stednika, we have Lauko that we signed like we have guys here that can fit a bottom six role for entry level money. And that's just the only thing that upsets me. It's like. Don, what is the actual vision here? That I don't know. And it's just upsetting because kids on entry levels can't get touched in the fucking in the expansion draft. So why not bring them up? I, I just 
I don't get it. For a guy who's trying to redefine, like, listen, our cupboard is stocked. But you know what? It's sometimes you got to cook food with the ingredients. You can't just leave it in there. And that's just my only problem with Sweeney. And you were talking about early on in this podcast about almost like a mandate about that this your moves better work out or else. How long of a leash do you think he has if Boston has another good regular season, which everybody probably expects, or they don't meet expectations because of some of the holes that were created by Sweeney and they kind of flame out in the second round of the playoffs next year. You think that could be it for him? I I think it could be. I mean, one thing for me, just looking at it is this, we don't know the whole if, and, or, but with Tuka Rask, we don't, but there's one thing that is very clear. Both him and Yaroslav Halak are both UFAs at the end of the year. And, are we certain that Swayman, Vlader, or Kaiser is going to be that next guy? Because if not, we just missed out on the biggest free agency of goalies probably ever. Not a good look, especially when you don't know where your team's going or if Tuka wants to play or if he doesn't want to play. And I mean, Yaro's 35. He'll be 36 by the end of the year. It, like, how many more years does he have as being a legitimate, solid backup goalie? And Krejci's done at the end of this year. UFA, does he come back? Does he not? I'm sure the cap hit will be smaller. What does Jake DeBrusque finally sign for? Don't know. I I would have dealt DeBrusque somewhere. What would you have gotten in return for him now? I think he offers you a lot of upside. I think... The kid, when he plays, he's good, but I think you would have to look somewhere for... You know what? I'll even say it. They're hard on that they have for Kyle Palmieri. Just, yeah. It's just something strange. Like I feel like you probably could have offered something before the draft, before free agency and all that. You could have sent them somewhere, but... The, the lineup's okay, but it's not what it was. I feel like, I know Coyle's better at center, but I feel like Sweeney might have probably went into that deal hoping that he could slide into that second line spot and then he could re- e- more easily replace him as a 3C. And now he's kind of caught in that bind. I don't think he can. Coyle can't play wing. Uh, That's what I mean. I think that, when yeah, he made when the he deal, Sweeney came. was hoping he could play that wing. Yeah, when he first came, he tried it out, and it just wasn't a good look. And it, it's tough. And who's to say next year, right? End of the year, end of the season, Krejci, whether they decide he's coming back or he's not. So say he comes back team-friendly for, excuse me, for four and a quarter, right? Are you now making that transition to Charlie Coyle being your 2C, or is he staying your third-line center and Krejci staying at number two? don't know like there's just so many question marks as to where the future of this team is going and maybe there's a plan here that don has in his head but just looking at it man woof like it needs work well i would be envious to be in a position of trying to keep a Stanley cup window open for almost like the 12th year in a row 
Uh, talking about the Rangers, this not too much to talk about. We already talked about Hank and Estal stuff last week. Uh, we lost Jesper Foss in free agency. Almost kind of expected uh, because of our cap situation. Our offseason is going to be dictated by the RFAs here. We have Ryan Strome, D'Angelo, Brendan Lemieux, Georgiev, his RFA. Nobody's expecting him to be moved anywhere. But are the Rangers going to move head into next season with Shoma as their 2C? And if so, that means he's going to chew up almost $5 million at the cap. Or are they not going to move in with him as their 2C? Then they're going to trade him, who's going to be the second-line center, Philip Hedl? Or are they going to make a move for somebody else? If they don't bring Strome back, they're going to use D'Angelo to fill that second-line center spot. But then the Rangers also need a first-pair left-hand shot defenseman because of the Brady-Shea experiment that failed miserably. So, really, the Rangers are kind of at a crossroads right now of what's going on with the RFAs. And once that happens, a lot of dominoes are going to start falling for us. Um, outside of that, the only real notable thing is the Rangers decided to sign Jack Johnson for some god-awful reason. Um, one year, I think one and a half mil, he's hopefully only going to be playing, if he does, on a third pair in PK because he's god-awful at this point. Um Really don't understand a signing. I'd rather just keep Brendan Smith back there, um, which we still have on a cap. No one's going to trade for him. We're not going to buy him out at this point. I'd rather just play Brendan Smith on the third pair. So I don't understand the need for a Jack Johnson. Um, yeah, in the day and age of heavy statistical analysis, I'm shocked that a guy like Jack Johnson still gets signed to a guaranteed deal like this. So... Other than that, it's just kind of a waiting game for the Rangers with the RFAs to see what happens and where everything else falls into place. Do you think any of your RFAs will be moved just for considerations of what could happen towards the cap, or do you think everyone's going to get re-signed? I I think Lemieux and Georgiev get signed. I honestly think if I had to choose between Strom or D'Angelo in terms of which one's more likely to get dealt, I think D'Angelo gets dealt just because he's young. I know he's going to be commanding a sizable raise as an RFA this time around, but he could probably bring in a top four left-hand shot defenseman as part of the return. Um, or you can just move on from both and use D'Angelo to get a Strom replacement and then figure it out. But I think if you're trying to decide... Who's more likely to get dealt? I would probably do it as D'Angelo. Since we have Fox and Truba on our right-hand side on defense, uh, we have a couple of prospects like Lindquist that's possibly going to be ready uh, next season for the third pair, and he's a right-hand shot. So I think after a pretty good year for D'Angelo, his value is pretty high right now, so you might want to move on from him. Uh, but Strom's right in that same boat. Career year, one year, if he does sign, it's going to be for one year. Do the Rangers kind of cash in that lotto ticket because they got him for Ryan Spooner. So it's like, all right, do you cash in and see what return you get now? So I think there's a likelihood both are moved, but more likely one or the other. And then one last question. I might be looking too far ahead, but so at the end of this year, RFA is coming up for next year. I think these guys will kind of dictate what happens to the other guys. You got Buchnevich RFA, Filipino RFA, Julian Gauthier, Brett Howden, and then on the backside, Ryan Lindgren. I know that uh, Brendan Smith and Jack Johnson come off your books next year, which is definitely a big help, but do you think next year alters this year at all? 
Not so much, only because the buyout for Shattenkirk, which has taken up $6 million of our cap this year, is gone. And then the Hank buyout is only like a mil and a half. So I think because of that, the Rangers will be in pretty good shape next year. I think this year is kind of a another, we're going to play well. We're not going to be a legit contender. We're going to try and incorporate some more kids into the lineup and see how they do. Hopefully Kako develops more. And then next offseason is when the Rangers might be making some moves with their cap space and they're very. They're still number one ranked prospect pool in the league, so they might use that to their, to their advantage to kind of speed up their contention window a little bit. But I think this year is more about one more year of identifying who's going to be part of the core and then moving on. And then last question for you regarding your Rangers this year. Do you believe, and not with the way the NHL did the playoffs this year with the top four already being in the round robin and then everyone starting in the playoffs. Do you believe that this Rangers team is in the playoffs next year? I believe they'll contend for, they'll be a wild card team. I think they have, even though the kids and goal are young, I think they're good enough. I think they're better than most of the teams will be competing against. The big hole for us is that left side with Chuba. Like that's a massive hole for a team that wants to contend and be a playoff team where you're looking at it as we have Truba and nobody, Lingren and Fox, and then Brendan Smith and Jack Johnson with potentially Tony D'Angelo. And if you move D'Angelo, then who plays on a third pair with Smith or Johnson? Is it both of them on a third pair? Like, shoot me in the head. So I think that's the mess that the Rangers got to clean up a little bit. And last question I have is uh... – contract up right now so at the end of this season there will be two years left on david quinn's uh current contract do you think that if the rangers aren't in contention or are not a wild card team that they may finally gas them if the rangers don't show any signs of improvement off of this year which they played solid or their young kids aren't taking a step under Quinn, like, I think you got to move on. Like, you can't keep, like, Panarin is in his prime. Like, I know this upcoming year is going to be another quote-unquote wasted year of his prime because we're not a legit contender, but you can't waste anything more than that. So that's so all you got. you got to figure that out. Okay. Do we have, Do you have any, any other thoughts about free agency or trades, my friend? No, my friend. I, I, I'm hoping we touched enough. <laughs> Um, yeah, I'm good on my end. I think this week we're recording this on Monday the 12th. I think this week will be big in terms of is there going to be a second surge in movement around the league or is this kind of like teams are have settled in for the most part outside of like a flurry trade or something like that. So I think that's going to be the key storyline for the next seven to ten days. All right. Well, who do you have for shout outs this week or do we have any do we have hockey history? Uh, no hockey history today. Uh, I do have a shout-out, uh, firstly, as always, um, and also to my brother John. As I was mentioning to you before we started recording, I spent this past weekend renovating our guest bathroom, uh, and that turned out to be a massive clusterfuck. And my brother John, who lives in Florida, was a licensed electrician for several years here in New York before... Uh, he moved on to much better, greener and better pastures with his career, 
provide a valuable insight uh, to your boy to help him get that situation finished with the bathroom lighting in here. So shout out to him for helping me finish that up. Perfect. I wish, you know, my brother-in-law was as good of a help to me as an electrician as your brother is to you. But, you know, <laughs> whatever. That's neither here nor there. Uh, was he, he's got to help you in some way. Uh, he's out. He sucks. <laughs> but uh, shout-outs this week. We had a uh, little bachelor party for our buddy, Mr. Uh, Kyle Eisner there. So uh, shout-out to all the boys this weekend. We had an absolute ripper up in Maine. Uh, we played Belgrade Lakes. I have never played a golf course like this. This, The greens were absolute insanity. I would see one of the kids I was playing with, he took a putt. And, I mean, it's not like he crushed it and just lightly tapped the ball. It The lie went right hooked right in front of the hole. So, and, I mean, here in normalcy on a normal golf course, that putt's in the hole. This thing came hooked in front of the hole, came back and went further behind him than the putty just made at least three times. I was blown away by this golf course. <laughs> I mean, kept up great, like, but my God, very unforgiving. I don't even know what I shot. It was probably over 120 and I thought I had a good day. Like I thought I had an okay day out there for shooting. Like it was just insane that golf course. So shout out to all the boys for all the uh, fun we had this week. All right, sounds good to me. All right, well, um, we're going to kind of watch and see as to what happens with anything going on, bigger free agent hires, um, trades, hirings, firings, waiver wire, because now Tampa put that in play. We'll see if anyone throws out any restricted free agents there. And everybody, thank you always for listening, and uh, we'll catch you soon on the next episode of 2, 5, and 10.